0: Up close with Carlos Sang, celebrating art, entertainment, and the human spirit. Welcome to another episode of up close with Carlos saying uh, my next guest is someone who I have idolized for the longest time. I think he's got the most gorgeous, gorgeous vocals. Uh, he is about to start in the brand new musical theater concert at last summer at the London Palladium. And will also be returning to Cadogan Hall for West End does Hollywood the sequel. Uh, it is an absolute joy to be able to introduce the one and only Rob Houch into the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Hello,
1: thank you for having me. It's very good to be here.
0: Uh, yes, yeah, so Our Lasted Summer, it's a brand new musical, um, not many people have really heard the material before, uh, what made you want to be part of this exciting new project?
1: I love being part of new shows, I think there's just something great about it, especially like new British musical theatre, like um, bringing it into the public eye and people hearing things for the first time, you get to put your stamp on it, like no one's done it before so I get to do it for the first time and I feel like... Um, there's something really special about that. And especially at this kind of iconic venue. I, I've never done the Palladium before. When I say done the Palladium, I've never worked at the Palladium before. Um, so yeah, it'd be really nice to be on that stage. And, and it's such a beautiful place. And um, there's a lot of great people involved as well. The cast is is full of amazing performers and a lot of talent. So I'm just excited to share the stage with them, to be honest.
0: Yeah. Um, do you think it's, you know, more challenging as well, you know, working on a new show than doing something that's been, you know, long running or, you know, doing a revival of something that's been, you know, done before too?
1: I think there's like pros and cons, you know, um, and like challenges and things that are easier, you know, you, like I say, you don't have to have people that have haven't done it before. So you don't have to have that idea of like, oh, I need to be different. I need to do it different to so-and-so or, you know, but you can just be yourself and put your own interpretation um, ahead and, and see, see how it goes but when you've been in a show like Lameis that's done 30 years you're like okay there's been more than 30 marriages I need to just probably change this up and do something different but actually um you learn that you just do what you can do put your own personality in it and and it will be different to everyone else's so um but yeah it's it's actually quite nice and quite refreshing just to learn something new and you can sometimes even say that you know at this bit maybe we could do this and have your own little input that makes it really special and unique so um Yeah, I think there's challenges to both. But um, all in all, I, I like creating something new. I think it's something particularly special
0: yeah and as you mentioned as well in you know, the London Palladium is you know such a special venue you know one of the most iconic in you know, theatres in the world potentially as well mm-hmm. you know how are you feeling about you know, performing on that stage and you know, adding your name to that list of you know previous special performers? oh uh, yeah
1: I'm very excited I'm very excited I've been to the Palladium a lot I remember it when I was young I've seen shows there like you know Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and stuff like that when I was young went to London it was always like the London Palladium you know where they do the Royal Rides performance and stuff and it was always a theatre that I knew of and um yeah, I'm excited to, to be in there and um, it's so beautiful as well. Like every time I go there, I'm looking around like, gosh, this place is just so iconic. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be really fun. I've, as I said, I've never done it, so it'll be another one to take off my bucket list.
0: Yeah, and musical theatre concerts, you know, they've become quite trendy over the last couple of years. You know, we've seen, you know, Witches of Eastwick, Chess, Gypsy. Uh, one of my favourites mm. was Children of Eden at Cadogan Hall. Oh, um, thank I know you that, very much. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, yeah, I, I know that Children of Eden was, you know, one of your dream shows that you really wanted to do. And I know that you did the show at GSA as well. Um, do you feel like you're done with that show now as well? Or is there still more that you'd like to explore with Children of Eden? <sighs>
1: I think um, I was speaking to Stephen Schwartz the other day. Um, I feel like that show needs to be like done properly again or revised. Or maybe another concert or something. I know that um, at the time we did it, it was difficult. It was a COVID kind of a post-COVID era. It was like a little bit. Um, it was a little bit tricky to get people to the theatre when we when we did like did the concert. I remember feeling so honoured that we got to do that and to have him there, having Schwartz there and Schwartz. Like I'm calling him like, hey, Mr. Schwartz, and having Stephen Schwartz though um was just so great and he's keen i think on doing it so whether it's us or whether it's someone else i do think it should be done again i do think that they should you know go into it and and sing these amazing songs even just that was an honor you know like i've always loved the music since like you say i did it at gsa and uh, i never got to play that role so i finally got to do it and i really um i just love it i just i love it the show the music everything about it is really special
0: Yeah, it was such a gorgeous, gorgeous show. Um, I was so glad I got to come along and see it. Um, I knew that Children of Eden was also the first time you directed the show. And I was wondering, you know, how did you come to the decision that you would also be able to take on that role on top of, you know, starring and producing the show as well?
1: I think that um like directing's never something that I've actually thought I would end up doing just because like I do so many different things and I'm just like, Oh gosh, can I really fit that in as well? But um in that show, in that specific like um situation, I thought I know this show better than a lot of people because I've done it and, and um I can help like envision it and bring it to life. I think you know, as well as other people can. And I thought, why not? And when it comes to staging a concert, I've done so many myself. that I knew what worked and I knew Cadogan Hall. And I thought, you know, me and Stephen could just look at it together and try and simplify it and not overcomplicate things. I think that's important um, with a concert and let the the piece do the talking. And then, yeah, um, it was difficult. It was a lot of work. We had a lot of, you know, obstacles on the way, but it was was all worth it in the end because it was brilliant. It was a brilliant night.
0: Yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah, West End Course Presents, you know, they've been massive successes, you know, with musical theatre fans and audiences. Um, how challenging has it been, you know, putting on these shows and has it gotten easier, you know, over time in you know, assembling these casts?
1: Um, I wouldn't say easier. <laughs> no, it's, um, it's it's gotten um, easier in the sense that we kind of know the formula. We know like what people want. We know how to put certain things on, especially like when it comes to West Enders. Does, um, those kind of series of events, we put them on. Um, knowing what people want to see, how to do, how to work at Pelagun, for example. Um, but in terms of selling tickets, people would think after Covid that people are gagging to go to the theatre. But I think people buy tickets quite late on. And um, for us as a producer, it's quite difficult. We can't predict like what's going to happen and we have to kind of just like yeah um job and hope that things are gonna sell because we know that they should, and we know that the standard is really good, and we know that people believe that, but people just buy tickets the last minute because you know they're thinking they still have this kind of idea of is it gonna to happen or what's going on, you know so um yeah that's become a bit difficult but in terms of putting them on and our like inspirations it's um yeah it's definitely become it's got a flow to it now and we're really excited especially with like musical heaven the new podcast me and matt lucas do it's something really special and we're like really excited about new things that are coming so yeah it, it's good it's it's um it's still hard work but it's worth it
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's been nearly 10 years you know, since you made your debut as Marius in Les Mis. You know, I feel very lucky to mm-hmm. have gotten to see you play Marius. Um, uh, how would you describe the last 10 years as well?
1: Um, wild, really, to be honest. The first three, I was when I was in Les Mis, I was um, a feeling of, you know, just I was grateful. I was lucky. I was learning. I was new to it. I was not really sure what i was doing i was just like going with the flow and learning and and then i came out of that thinking you know what's next but nothing really came along and i had to kind of make my own way and do my own thing and create my own career a little bit which was actually the biggest learning curve that i ever had was like what do you do when you want to stay creative and also earn money Mm -hmm. and not you know have to go and work somewhere that you don't want to like so i had to really figure that out because people weren't casting someone like me at the time and then i finally got like some jobs and and it took me to amazing places like like in the piazza, I didn't realize that would even happen. And it shows that something can just come out of nowhere. It can surprise you. And then you're doing a show you didn't think you were going to do. You can go to LA, Chicago and like work with amazing people that are friends for life. You know, I've, I've done a lot of that. And it's funny, you know, there's always going to be dips. And, you know, times when you're just like, oh, what's happening? Where's the work? Um, you can have that 10 years on, 20 years on. You know, it's, it's something that you just got to learn to deal with and work around.
0: Yeah, I mean, you've gotten to play, you know, Marius you know, on and off, you know, in the West End, in Japan, in the stage concert. Mm. Um, yeah, mm. would you, you know, if you, the opportunity to go back to the show came around again, you know, would you want to go back to Marius or would you want to play a different character next time?
1: Well, I think I'm a bit old for Marius, but then I think Rob, who's playing it now, if he's still there, is... Older than me, but you know, we do have youthful faces, so that is uh, something on our side. But I do think that maybe I liked how I finished it before. I said that when I left in 2016 that I I tied a ribbon in it and it was wonderful, but then the stage concert felt like something different and something a bit new. And so um, when I did that, I felt like, you know, this is a good opportunity for me to represent in a sense. And then when that finished, I did think, come on now, Rob, you've got to do something else. So maybe I can come back into the show one day but playing something else. You know, maybe I'd be a good Tenardio because I do have a little cheeky side. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, last week I also got to uh, interview uh, Selena Schornmacher, you know, who you worked with mm-hmm. extensively, you know, on Piazza, Le Mes, uh, Marie mm-hmm. Um, Do you see yourselves working together again as well in the future and, you know, finding new ways to collaborate?
1: I would love that. I am, um, yeah, she's one of my best friends. I admire her, her a lot. I think that her performance in Guys and Dolls is like the best thing she's ever done. It's just fantastic. And I'm just really happy for her. I'm proud of her. And I hope that we get to work together again we just have to make sure we don't giggle all the time because we are you know when you work with friends like that who you just get on so well with you have to sometimes leave that giggly side off stage <laughs> when you're on stage and sometimes it comes creeping on so um yeah but i love working with Cylinder, and she's so talented that i hope we do work together in something again
0: yeah, I mean, the first time I actually got to see you was in like in the piazza, and you know, I remember, ah. yeah, at the end of your London run, um, Renee Fleming, you know, shared a note um, with you saying that you know you had a voice that could you know pursue opera as well going forward. Um, uh, is this something yeah. That, yeah, is this something that you've um considered pursuing as well going forwards? Gosh, when
1: Renee said that, I thought, are you sure? <laughs> um, the thing about opera is there's just such a skill that you learn like at college and she always would be like, I don't need a mic, really. And I'm like, I definitely do. <laughs> so I think the idea of projecting a voice to that like, distance to right at the back of the you know, Royal Festival Hall would just uh, something that I'm not sure I could do. But the sound and the kind of maybe the colour that I could give that part maybe made her think that. And, you know, I have sung kind of operatic, like I've sung Candide, that's an operetta. I've, I've sung that kind of style. It works in my voice, but yeah, I feel like I just can't compete with the amazing opera singers out there in the world. I'll just stick to musical theatre.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, you were amazing in like the piazza. I think it was just it stuck so well in oh, your voice. You. I loved it so much. Um, I mean, yeah, and also you know, over time, you know, you've accumulated you know tens of thousands of followers on across social media. Um, do you consider yourself to be you know a social media influencer as well? No. <laughs> I
1: feel like um, people say that and they joke to me about it and I'm like I think I've just got loads of followers because of the people I've been in shows with but I've managed to maintain them maybe from keeping people happy with my content I don't know but um, I feel like I'm I feel like a lot of responsibility uh, in terms of like what you put out there as yourself and making sure that you're inspiring people in the right way and thinking before you post and I feel like I do that and sometimes I post things and delete them because I'm just like why did you post that or I think that's fine you should have the freedom to be able to do that Do you know what I mean but nowadays everything's out there at all times and we have to be kind of wary of that and how that makes people feel and makes people think but I like to think of it as well as a bit of a business like it really can help in terms of like me as a business and as my career like goes on how I can like shape it help being helped by social media so I feel like less of an influencer more of just like I just don't think I can. Once again, like I said before, with opera singers, I don't think I can compete with the influencers. I don't know how they managed to do all those videos. I just think that's very impressive.
0: <laughs> mm, yeah, it is um, definitely. I mean, some yeah. Going back to what you were saying as well, you know, something that really moved me was you know one of your posts about uh, your previous struggles with with body image and you know your relationship yeah. with food in the past. Um, mm. What made you want to share something so personal with such a wide audience?
1: I feel like people need to hear that from someone that maybe they think, because, you know, I've thought it before. I'm not saying I'm comparing myself to anyone famous or with a big name, but sometimes you can think that people haven't had those issues and people, and it's been easy for them and everything has been going quite smoothly and they don't have to worry, but actually everyone has something going on. And I think that's just important to remind people that, you know, even those people that they're looking at and they think look so great and perfect on social media, there's things behind you know, behind the phones that is going on. And and so the more you talk about it, the more that, you know, we can all feel related to each other and more comfortable in when we feel something similar and um, not be so hard on ourselves.
0: Yeah, I mean, during the pandemic as well, you know, you also turned 30 and, you know, you sometimes hear that, you know, the 30s are the best years of your life. Um, Would you agree Mm. with the sentiments as well?
1: So far, they're all right. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like... um, I definitely feel like it's a great decade because you feel more of an adult more like um, into your own uh, and 20s are just about having fun and discovering and finding things and um, yeah now I do feel but there is pressure that you've got to kind of make sure that you've got a solid foundation and a good career so yeah I do feel a bit of pressure I do feel like it's been a bit of a slow year this year and I'm like okay um i'd really like to be doing certain things i put pressure on myself which i think can be good and bad but um yeah i feel like it's something that is i think it's going to be good it's going to be good i can feel good things coming around the corner but um yeah i i'm only two years in so i'm giving myself a bit of a break i'm like you've got eight years every 30
0: years. <laughs> Um Yeah. I mean, over time as well, you know, you've also been really open about your relationship with Jack Butterworth, another brilliant, very versatile performer as well. Um, but you've not actually really worked together actually over your careers. Um, is that something that you'd also like to do in the future? And, you know, do you think it helps you know, being in a relationship with someone who's also in the industry?
1: Um, I think that if we work together, we might kill each other. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, I feel like <laughs> Yeah, being with someone in the industry is really useful when it comes to coming home and you're like oh god i have the craziest day and you can explain it and they completely know where you're coming from but also it does mean that sometimes you know you're both really tired or you're working opposite timetables and schedules and doing one's rehearsing one's doing the show or whatever and you don't really ever get to see each other you're like passing ships but then because you both do it you understand about it and you get it and i think that's why a lot of actors get together because it saves a bit of um that middle ground like or the breaking of the ice you're just kind of like i get it when someone goes i'm so tired i can't even think like right now or like i i've got so many plates spinning right now which is me a lot of the time um so he gets it and so i think that's really useful but yeah we're all work together because we got called in for the same thing sometimes but it hasn't happened j- j- just yet so we've got different kind of um skills and different kind of possibilities so you know
0: yeah, I mean, fingers crossed. Um, I mean, I've got so much admiration for actors you know, and I love speaking to some of my favourite performers through this show. Um, what would you say are some of the downsides of being an actor too?
1: I think um, the pressure can, that we put on ourselves and that we get put on by social media and by audiences and that's, you know, that all comes with them loving the show as well or loving what you do, but you do feel this kind of pressure that You need to be amazing and be the best and get work and be doing certain things at certain times, getting certain roles because people think that you're going to get it. And I think that's something that can be kind of crushing at times. Um, So I think that's probably the worst thing, but it's 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 also just hard work. You know, rejection comes around a lot and you have to just kind of get over it and move on and work really hard at being um, the best you can be and just um, not being too hard on yourself. I think that's something I try and tell myself a lot.
0: Mm, definitely. Um, I remember one of my earliest interviews was with John Owen Jones and we spoke about an mm-hmm. incident at the Lemo Stage concert when an audience member heckled him when he was performing instead of Alfie Beau. And we were talking mm. about, you know, how audience behaviour, you know, is, you know, sort of like declining in you know, especially like since COVID. Um, do you feel like, you know, audience etiquette is on decline too?
1: I know you know it's always had its ups and downs I think I've always since I've started this show and started this career I've always felt like there there have been times in audiences where people get a bit rowdy get a bit drunk um I do feel like like I was saying it kind of weirdly comes with the love of it like you can get people fans that are so intense that then if something doesn't go the way they want or something they feel like because they have spent so much money and they love the show so much that that gives them a kind of right to heckle or shout things like that or say things like that. And I think that maybe that's just something that they need to, I don't know, think about and have have a little check in about because, you know, no one should have that in their head that they can shout at people like when they're on stage and stuff. And, but the majority of fans I think are really kind and lovely Um, and audiences, I think it just depends because because of phones and stuff, people are on their phones quite a lot because of social media and it helps us in our careers. But also it does mean that, you know, like people are just on them and it's distracting. So that's one of the key things I think that people are annoyed about in terms of theatre etiquette is the phones. And I don't really know how we battle that. I don't know how we tackle it. I think maybe we have to do phones off, kind of. but we do that anyway. I don't know. I know that in really really like intense situations you have to put them in a bag like when you go in and seal it and then put it in your pocket but i just don't think that will ever pass because people need to take emergency calls and stuff so i i don't know but um yeah i think just spreading the word that the light on your phone is very bright on your face
0: <laughs> of course definitely i mean have you had any you know particularly memorable experiences you know with fans and audiences you know good or bad
1: um I do remember one time in South Pacific when I came on, someone wolf whistled me, which was the first time that ever happened. That was quite funny. I was like, oh, they obviously like a man in uniform. (laughs) Um, But that just made me, I didn't even react because I guess after time you learn like that those things, you know, happen and it just passes over but i don't know i don't think i've had anything crazy i had a horrible time once the lame is and someone i think had a heart attack down front row and that was really intense that's kind of makes you realize how lucky you are i think um but i've not had touch wood anything too crazy anything too like mad or bad um you just get some people that are loud and you're just like i just got to concentrate on what i'm doing because i'm easily distracted
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean many of us will know you as a you know terrific actor, you know singer, producer, director, and also as a songwriter and pencil artist too. Um do you have any more talents that you you know that we don't know about and that you would also like to explore going forwards?
1: Well, that's very kind. Um I don't know, I want to write a musical one day for sure, but I know how long it takes and how much graft it takes. So I feel like that's something that I need to look at seriously if I'm going to do it and be like what am I writing about? I've got a couple of ideas. But um, it also takes money and, you know, we're always struggling with money, us actors, unless we're really lucky. So I'm going to have to find a way to fund it and things and find a way to pay my bills whilst I'm using the time to write a musical (laughs) in my kitchen. Um, But yeah, that's something that I would like to do, I think.
0: Mm, Amazing. Uh, One of my theatre highlights from last year as well was seeing the Sondheim Old Friends Gala show uh, last Mm. year at the Mm -hmm. Sondheim Theatre. The show is also coming back um, as a longer run um, later in the year too. Is it something that you'd also get involved in again as well?
1: Um, Do you know what? I had a great time doing Old Friends and I think um, it would be fun to do. My only thing was I feel like I had such a good time, I want to leave it there. I want to like leave it how it is and then do something else and go and watch Talented Friends be in it. I think it's going to be a very big success. And I love um, that Cameron's doing it again because I love Sondheim, I'm obsessed. So I'm excited to watch it rather than be in it again, just for the sake of like maybe getting my teeth into something like a role for a, a contract, for, like a long period of time, I think. I'd like to do some some kind of role that would, um, would uh, add to my career in a different way.
0: Mm. Um, do you have your eye on any particular um, Sondheim role as well going forwards?
1: I've always wanted to be George, but I don't know if that will ever happen, but I've always wanted to play George. Um, but yeah, as a sometime fan, that and I want to play Bobby, to be honest, but it depends if they do another company. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'm too young to be Sweeney Todd, so I have to wait that out until I get a bit older, but I feel like maybe a young George would be quite cool.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that will be really, really really cool Um, yeah it's been amazing talking to you as well Um, just as a last question thank you um, so much yeah what what do you most want to be remembered for
1: I think I'd like to be remembered for being funny (laughs) no it depends remembered um, remembered by friends I just like to always make people laugh and bring a smile and um, into their day and you know um, have a good time and be fine because life's too short you know but in terms of performing and, and in my career, I'd like to just be unique and be remembered for something unique, be be that person that someone says, oh, there's no one like that. Um, and they can do this and they can do that. And they, they brought themselves to it. And um, yeah, so whether that's, I don't know if they remember me for a certain role or something, as long as it's like, they just remember me, that would be great.
0: <laughs> uh, Rob Halchin, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for everything. That's great.